Welcome to AFL by Dummies, and let's discuss the weekend that was. Aaron Francis climbed higher than the Eiffel Tower as Essendon left Port looking not so great. It was a sunny day for the Cats in Geelong in their 102-point win, with the only danger being Daniel Menzel tripping over an imaginary footy and doing an ACL. Jackery waltzed into his third Coleman medal after bagging five snags in the Tigers' narrow victory over more rough-head Bulldogs. Collingwood were forced to Maya-check themselves before they nearly wrecked themselves, <laughs> but unfortunately for Frio, it was too steep a hill to climb. Patrick Cripps fended off his own teammates to ensure Carlton only lost to Adelaide by 100 points. Harry Morrison proved why he's the most important person in the country named Morrison in the Hawks' <laughs> close victory over the Swans. Adam Simpson missed out on the opportunity to drink a celebratory shoey as the Eagles secured a home qualifying final up in Brisbane. The Demons all of a sudden look like Superman in their win, leaving the Giants to look more like Dean Kent, battered and bruised. Seb Ross's 34 disposals and 129 supercoach points caused me to lose my grand final and give the Saints one more chance to let me down this season. And that is the weekend that was. Lachlan Ross, how are you doing? Doing really good. I really like the Dean Kent one. You like the Dean Kent <laughs> the one? The Superman, yeah. Aaron Francis, was that just France? Well, Aaron France, yeah. And, yeah. you know, climbing higher than the Eiffel Tower, it's pretty pretty standard, that one. I, I really liked Maya Check Yourself before you wrecked yourself. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw that Maya Check was heavily involved in the last few minutes of the game, I was like, got to take the opportunity there while it's in front of me. Same with the uh, Prime Minister one. Oh, Have yeah. to take the opportunity whilst it's there. No, it was a... I mean, there wasn't too much on the line in round 23 after Port Adelaide loss. Uh in terms of top eight, but there was a few other very interesting games in the end. Um, Richmond nearly lost. That kind of scared me. Um, but my highlight for the week has to be that Hawthorne-Sydney game. It was just everything you could have wanted in a final. And then the young kids stepped up for Hawthorne. That's not how it's meant to work. No, Morrison, Warple, a whole bunch of them. They were, Nash. Nash. They were really impressive. And it's just proving that this Hawthorne side is actually going to be good again, which I don't think any of us are ready to face that reality. <laughs> not a Richmond fan. Like, I'm not looking forward to playing them. That'll be an interesting matchup. I don't usually get a highlight of the week, but I'm, I'm making damn sure that I get one this week because my highlight from this weekend is arguably the best thing I've seen all season. I don't know if you saw it. I refer to it in my monologue. There is a clip from the Carlton Adelaide game where I don't know whether or not you've seen it. Patrick Cripps gets the ball tapped down to him from a ruck contest. Dale Thomas moves towards the ball and Patrick Cripps fends him away. No way. And then kicks the ball. Not even joking. It's fantastic. Like for a, a team that's had a season like it has, for them to truly reach this point where Patrick Cripps is literally fending off his own teammates so he can do a better job than they can is so Carlton, it's incredible. Yeah, but considering the season Cripps had and like every other player in that team is literally actively working against him. Yeah. It just sums up their season perfectly. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy who will likely finish All-Australian and is um, just broken the record for the most number of contested possessions in a season in a team that has had their worst year in 100 years. Incredible stuff. Truly incredible. Well, speaking of that game, um, I'm going to move into my joke. Carlton Adelaide, it wasn't the most interesting game ever, but some of the statistics were a little funny. And so I have put together a questionnaire for you, Alex. <laughs> You've got eight questions. Okay. You're going to get as many right as you can. Uh, so we're going to start off a bit easier and then it's going to get a little more difficult okay. to go along. So on the weekend, so Carlton obviously lost by 104 points. Which team won the contested possessions, clearances and inside 50s? 
I here's the thing. I know I know Carlton won the inside fifties. <laughs> um, I I'd heard that one. I I would have assumed that Adelaide would have won the clearances and contested possessions, but I'm going to bet that Carlton won all three. Carlton won all three. That's crazy. And they lost by 100 points. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Pretty sure that's the first time that's ever happened, which isn't surprising. So, now, what was higher? The highest rebound 50 player for Carlton or the number of times Adelaide kicked five or more goals in a row on the night? Probably four, three or four, maybe even five, to be honest. I'm going to say rebound 50s, not very confidently. It was equal. Oh, wow, really? So, yeah, Carlton had... Their top rebound 50 player was Mark Murphy with four, and Adelaide four times in the night kicked five or more goals in a row. It wasn't five, five or more. So that means in some of them they did six or seven. So uh, you're one out of two. I did uh, throw you under the bus bit there because I didn't say you could draw, but now you're on your toes about it. What was higher? The number of goals the Crows scored within 15 metres of goal or the number of goals Carlton kicked in total? I saw Adelaide waltz into goals so many times. I think Josh Jenkins... Why were you watching this game? <laughs> Sydney was playing Hawthorne at the same time. Sorry, sorry, on replay. Not not, not, not at the time. I think Josh Jenkins kicked five from the goal square alone. <laughs> um, you know when he kicked seven that five of them are from the goal square? I think Gallucci kicked like three from the goal square as well. Um, I'm, I'm quite confidently going to say Adelaide kicking more goals from the goal square in this one. Yeah, Adelaide kicked nine from the goal square and Carlton kicked eight in total. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. What was longer, Adelaide's time in front on the night or the time it takes you to fly a private jet from Melbourne to Auckland? <laughs> <laughs> um, how long do you reckon it takes to fly a private jet from Melbourne to Auckland? I reckon it's probably less than two hours. So I'm going to say I reckon the time Adelaide was in front was longer. Correct, Alex. You get another one there. Um so a private jet could go 3,000 kilometres in that time, the fastest one, and Auckland is 2,700 kilometres away. So you still actually had a bit to spare on the end. It's just unbelievable. What was higher? Matthew Wright's disposal efficiency from 13 disposals or the percentage of Carlton's clearances that Cripps got? My God. I am going to say that if they won the clearance count, he must have had, say, 12 of about, I don't know, Th- mid-30s, so I'm going to say he had about one in three. Matt Wright's had 13 disposals. He's going to need to have had at least five of them be effective. <laughs> to, to <beat> <laughs> That's the question. Do you back Matt Wright in? No, I don't. I'm going to say the number of clearances that... Uh, the percentage of clearances that Patrick Cripps has had of Carlton's. So Patrick Cripps had 46% of Carlton's clearances. Wow, which was... How many out of? Uh, I'll tell you. There's another clearance question coming up, oh, okay, so I'm not going right. to help you out. Uh, Matthew Wright had four effective disposals from 13. <laughs> so he went at 31%, whereas Cripps had 46%. Wow. That's crazy. That is, that is a ridiculous statistic. <laughs> Sorry, did you get that one right or wrong? Yeah, no, I got that right. Yep. I'm doing well. Only one wrong so far. That's impressive. What was higher? The percentage of Carlton's centre clearances that Cripps got or Carlton's percentage on the ladder at the end of the year? Um, I know that Carlton's percentage of the ladder at the end of the year is 59, um, which is hilarious. The number of centre clearances, I reckon Cripps probably would have got almost all of them. Maybe Murphy got one. <laughs> I will, I'll say Cripps again, but if, if, it's, if it's true, then I just I feel... 
I feel so bad for Carlton. So uh, Cripps got 57.8% of the centre clearances and Carlton ended up with 59.3%. So on the night, for the record, Cripps had 17 clearances and 11 centre clearances. Wow. Out of how many total clearances did they have? So they had 37 clearances in total and he had 17. And then he had 11 of the 19 centre clearances. That is No wonder he was fending off Dale Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) That is some crazy stats. True or false? Adelaide's efficiency inside 50 was greater than six Carlton players' disposal efficiency. True. False. It was greater than nine players. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, that's still true. (laughs) But but it's to a greater extent than six. Yes. It's just unbelievable. So every time they went inside 50, I believe they scored, it was 35 times out of 54 entries. That's a ridiculous... Ridiculous number. I cannot believe that. So that was 65% of the time they went inside 50, they scored, and nine Carlton players were going at a lower disposal efficiency than that. The last question, what was higher, Carlton's win percent at the end of the year or their goals per inside 50 on the weekend? I reckon they're going to be very close, but I'm going to say Adelaide's inside 50, uh, sorry, Carlton's inside 50 efficiency very narrowly. Yeah, it was. So 13% of their entries resulted in a goal, whereas they won 9% of their games this year. Wow, that's... And you got six out of eight, which is... Is it greater than St Kilda's percentage at the end of the year? I don't know what St Kilda's yeah, percentage is. No, St Kilda's percentage is about 75. How does that make you feel? <laughs> um, well, I would argue that I'm like six wins, two losses. That's actually pretty decent, but... Fair. Anyways, Carlson, what a statistically strange game that was. Completely fascinating. You will not see anything else like it. And if anybody needed any confirmation as to why Carlton are terrible, those are some of the stats to support it. Yep. I'm, I'm going to do my stat and joke at pretty much the same time. Um, what I would like to talk about is our pre-season predictions. We're going to talk about <laughs> no. how we did. We did a pre-season episode that went technically unreleased, but, you know, we made our predictions. We had our top... Eight. We had the rest of the teams. We even had some individual predictions. Predictions for, about yeah, it was, but they were club. like stupid predictions. So I'm going I'm to start with a recap of our ladders, and then then I'll get into some of the more individual predictions that I reckon we can have a bit of fun with. But let's start with our ladders. You did. I'm just going to put it out there. Not great. Based on my scoring system, which is you get one point for every position that the team you guessed misses. Bye. Yeah, so, for so instance, if I tip first and I finish fourth, I'd get three points. Exactly, right? You got 86 points, which is an average of five per team. Oh, you, wow. you missed every team by an average of five. It was 4.78 to be exact. Um, you got three teams across the entire league exactly right in their position, um, which is okay. You got Sydney finishing sixth, correct. You got Essendon to finish 11th, correct. And you got Gold Coast finishing 17th, correct. You only managed to tip five of the top eight, which is not great, but you did manage to get one of the top four in Richmond. You had them finishing fourth and they finished first. So stretching a little bit. So not great from you. Isn't it fascinating? The three teams I got correct, they were pretty gutsy picks for from where they finished the year before, I thought. Well, not Gold Coast. The teams you picked to get exactly correct, Sydney to finish sixth was um, a pretty good one. Essendon, I think, is a pretty good one as well. 
Um, and then Gold Coast, I would argue, is reasonably easy. Yeah. But um, the, the other two were good picks. I've done a little bit better than you, not crazy better, but a, a bit better. So I got 77 points total, which means my average is just above four, which is not great. Um, I'll, I'll talk to some of the ones that we individually got better or worse before. I got four exactly right. Um, I got Melbourne exactly right. I had them finishing fifth, and they did. Um, I was very happy with that one. I put Adelaide finishing 10th, um, Fremantle finishing 14th, which I feel is pretty easy. And um, I'll, I'll get to this one a little bit later, but I had Carlton finishing 18th, which was correct. I actually picked six out of the top eight, which I'm very happy with. The only two I missed were Collingwood and Hawthorne, um, and I had the Western Bulldogs and Adelaide in instead, um, which... I feel like Adelaide in particular was a pretty common selection. Um, I actually got none of the top four, though. Hmm. So despite getting six of the top eight, so the sides that I had in one to four, GWS, Sydney, and Geelong all finished second, third, and fourth. All of them made the eight, but none of them actually finished in the top four. (laughs) Um, So my my ladder is solidly okay. But I want to just quickly talk about a couple of the individual team predictions that you got you and I got very, very wrong, and then we'll and then we'll get on to some of the more specific predictions. Just start with Port Adelaide. So, you, you, one of your predictions was that the two Adelaide sides would finish top of the ladder come the end of the season. Um, you had Ad- Adelaide finishing first and Port Adelaide finishing second. Um, of course, that's not quite what happened, just a little bit off. Adelaide finished 12th um, and Port Adelaide finished 10th. Um, so that got you a combined 19 points between those two sides. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> that was easily, like, one of the worst moments in your side. You were also very wrong about um, Collingwood, as was everyone, and Hawthorne. Um, that was pretty pretty strong around the board, and I was very wrong about them. One of the ones I did manage to do a little bit better than you on was uh, West Coast. You had West Coast finishing uh, 10th. Um, whereas I, I had them finishing eighth, so I just did a little bit better than you on that one, but neither of us really predicted the scale of West Coast season. My favourite one is that you had Carlton finishing 14th. <laughs> yeah, so that means you had them finishing higher than Fremantle and North Melbourne. <laughs> you had Brisbane to finish bottom of the ladder, and I'm sorry, but like, that was I said to you at the time that was a terrible prediction, and I'm just very happy by how right I am about this. Yeah, look, Carlton let me down. Carlton let a lot of people down this year. I don't know what to say apart from uh, that. No, I, I, had, I had I thought they might go a little bit up, and then you watched in round one, and they pushed Richmond to the very edge, and then they fell off a cliff. I, I was also very wrong about Adelaide. Um, I didn't have anywhere near as many that were l- largely off. I also struggled with Hawthorne and Collingwood. But I want to quickly talk about some of the predictions we had about um, individual moments across the season. So... There are a couple of really good ones um, that I just I just want to talk about. First, we talked about, firstly, the fact that you said Adelaide and Port Adelaide would finish the top two sides on the ladder. That one didn't quite come true. Um, I did, did enjoy looking back at that one. I was also very bullish about Adelaide. In my prediction on Adelaide, I said that they would go the first 15 rounds undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> what was their record at round 15? Uh, they were seven wins, seven losses. <laughs> Close. It's close. So fifty percent correct. It's a pass. Yeah. 
Um, not quite accurate on that one. So, you know, I think Adelaide disappointed a lot of sides this season. One of my things that I particularly enjoyed that you you said was you kept reminding me about this little-known player called Sam Murray. And you talked about him when you talked about Collingwood's inclusions and whether or not he would have any kind of influence. And you talked about him with Sydney when he was leaving there um, and about whether or not he'd have any influence. And I, I would argue that Sam Murray's had quite a lot of influence. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to, to be honest, most of that has been under the influence. Under the, yes. influence but, um, <laughs> but technically that counts, right? Um, it's influence. It's influence. Uh, one of the things we both were, were pretty wrong on was Hawthorne. Uh, so I'm going to give you two quotes. So I want you to tell me which one was from you and which one was from me. Okay? So one of the quotes is about Hawthorne. They're going nowhere. So that's from either you or me. The other one is this team just needs more talent. Oh my god! We both said that about Hawthorne at the start of the season. We can both which? we can both say that. There's something that oh, I could see us both saying. I'm gonna go with. I said, you said the talent one, and I said the previous one. No, you actually said this team just needs some more talent. I think they got enough talent, to be honest. <laughs> I think finishing in the top four confirmed that. Yeah, look, I'll I'll cop that. <laughs> we were actually right. At, at a few points, scarily enough. My prediction for Port Adelaide was that they'd surged and overloaded, which was pretty good. You were you were pretty pretty right about Melbourne when you said that they don't have many players that can break a game open. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> <laughs> spot on, right? Yeah. I guarantee you no no Melbourne players will be in the top ten of the Brownlow. No, 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 no. Not a Ruckman, not Clayton Oliver, none <laughs> no. of that. You were equally as right with your predictions about Fremantle. You were, whilst being right about where, right-ish, where Fremantle would finish um, on the ladder, you said that Ross Lyon would quit mid-season as he says that <laughs> losing isn't fun. Um, oh, come on. That was like a joking sort of prediction. <laughs> that one didn't actually happen. <laughs> Given that the hush money scandal, I wasn't far off. You weren't far. If, if he had quit, though, that would have been such a good prediction. Um, you weren't the only one to be wrong about... Uh, coach predictions, though. I said that Alan Richardson would be sacked when St Kilda finished 11th and didn't make finals. They finished 16th and he still kept his job, so... <laughs> yeah, something tells me if they had finished 11th, he definitely would have it. Um, yeah, it was pretty impressive. Um, you you had Geelong, both of us had Geelong to be a top four side, and you said that Gary Ablett would be rested the last four weeks of the competition, given that Geelong had secured their place in the eight. That didn't happen? No. No, not quite. Um, I want to end on a couple of mine, though. One right and one wrong. We had a bit of a go with Jake Stringer in the preseason, and I think rightly so. I don't think anybody really likes Jake Stringer as a person. I did also say that Jake Stringer would be an All-Australian. Nah. That's not going to happen. Don't think that'll happen. No, he wasn't even in the squad of 40. No, uh, funny that. Um, and the final one, though, was actually one I got reasonably right, which may seem obvious now, but it wasn't actually that obvious then. In preseason, I said that Tom Lynch will leave Gold Coast for insert Melbourne club here. And it looks almost certain that right now Tom Lynch will leave Gold Coast for insert Melbourne club here. And I even got it perfectly right by saying it'll probably be Richmond, but we can't be sure yet. So let's just say insert Melbourne club here. Yeah. Over to you now. What do you got? Geelong's last two weeks. So, you know, you're building up for a finals campaign. You want kind of, you know... Some uh, dress rehearsals almost, like Richmond got on the weekend sort of thing, or Sydney and Hawthorne. Uh, so this is what's happened from the second quarter onwards in Geelong's last two weeks. So they've scored 259 points from the second to fourth quarter, and they've conceded 32. <laughs> <laughs> that is a percentage of 809. So that's 
That's in the from the second half of both of those games. No, second, third, and fourth quarter. Oh, sorry, second, third, and fourth quarter. Okay, right. Because in the Fremantle game, they led. Uh, Fremantle led a quarter time, of course, yep. famously. And then the Gold Coast game, I think it was like a goal in it or something at quarter time. Or yeah, two goals it was a or goal or two. But yeah. Gold Coast kicked the first goal. I was actually looking at the AFL to see if their poster, Gold Coast means business today sort of thing. <laughs> I was absolutely sitting on it, but it didn't come. And I think they learned their lesson from last week. Maybe they listened to punching down. Maybe. I Any, doubt it. <laughs> anyway, so Geelong gets to play Melbourne this week, which is the highest scoring team in the comp... Not this week, sorry, in the first week of finals. Um, get to play the highest scoring team in the competition. I've just got a hunch that Melbourne's going to score more than 32 from the second to fourth quarter. I don't know what would give away that hunch, but I do ever so slightly agree. So the finals fixture has been announced. We know who's playing who and when. I'm sure you already know, so we're not going to bother repeating it here. But you're not happy about this, Lachlan Russ, are you? No, I'm not happy with a Thursday night game at all. Um, I know they did it last year and it worked in Adelaide, um, but the crowd, the ground there is a little smaller, so it's a little easier to fill up. And now that it's my team, I have a direct issue with it on a Thursday night. I just don't understand why we have to have a final on Thursday and we don't have a final on Sunday. If we had like five games for finals, maybe you can do one on Thursday and one on Sunday, but there needs to be a Sunday game. There just flat out needs to be a Sunday game. It makes sense to have two Saturday games and you have to have a Friday game. Why do we have a Thursday game? And why do you have one of the biggest games on that Thursday game playing at the biggest ground in Australia? Yeah, I'm not going to argue too much with that. Um... It makes the... Main problem I have with it is Thursday night games makes it incredibly hard for kids to go, right? Because they're going to have school the next day and you won't get home till after 11 with public transport, um, given how big the crowd will be. Um, It makes it hard for people outside of Melbourne to come if they've got work the next day because you can't spend the night in Melbourne. And if you're driving back in the early morning before work, that's just miserable. Um, It's just very much a, well, if you're close to the MCG, you can go. Otherwise, you won't be able to go as much. I just don't understand why we have to have it on a Thursday when you've got this prime spot on a Sunday where you could have a game instead. I'm just baffled by it. I'm not sure why it's happened this way, and I want answers. I understand most of those points, and I agree with most of them. I just don't feel that strongly about it. But, okay, if you had St Kilda in there and you had... I'd, I'd be going either way. Yeah, regardless if you um, had a really early morning. Yeah. Um, keep in mind, you know, I'm not the person who's living out of Melbourne and has to come in for the game. Keep in mind, it is Richmond and Hawthorne. It's not like you've got an interstate side coming in and they have to be back. I mean, if most Richmond and Hawthorne fans would probably live reasonably close. They're both yes. close suburbs. I think I agree with you on the Sunday game. I think that's kind of a waste I would have thought that one of the games would have get gotten a spot there. But the problem is there's real no B grader in this, is there? Like, um, whilst we've not got an absolute, you know, crazy game to look forward to, all of the games have a lot of intrigue. The only one that you possibly would have thought might have been the Sunday game is the West Coast Collingwood one. But even then, I don't think they'd have been particularly happy with that. So... I can understand why it's landed the way it is. The the Battle of the Bridge derby will be awesome. I'm super excited for that. Melbourne Geelong is an absolute blockbuster, as is Richmond Hawthorne. And the reality is that there's two blockbuster spots, the way you're putting it, um, Friday night, Saturday night. And you can't fit three games into those two spots. So the next best option is turning to Thursday night, where they know that the majority of fans 
are going to go anyway. Especially for it's better to have Richmond Hawthorne, um, a game where both of those sides have spent one premierships and spent a reasonable amount of time in finals in recent years. And therefore, if the fans don't want to go, sure, but I bet you the fans will go anyway. Yes. I, I, like, all of this data aside, I bet you would still hit 80,000 in the MCG on Thursday night. I think if you played it on a Friday night, like, you could hit mid-90s. But is that really... I mean, is the difference between 88 and 94,000 really that's much more important than, like, whether or not it's at home? Because I would still argue that a Thursday night game at home is great for TV audiences. Um, That's proven to be true. Um, I'm going to be extremely happy about being able to see a game on a Thursday night where I'll probably have nothing else to do in the meantime. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but that I think more broadly, it's just something that we c- it's so easy to avoid in this scenario. Like when they do it during the season, I'm like, oh, I don't mind too much. But this is a finals. Like the in the finals, the my problem with the AFL is in finals, money comes before the fans. It seems, and I get that, but at some point you have to at least give the fans something. And I think a sun- Sunday game's perfect you know, to get fans there because most people don't have as much to do on a Sunday. Yes, you might get a bigger crowd at a Thursday night game, but, I mean, that's just because these fans would go to the game either way because it's Richmond Hawthorne. And my other problem is I don't know why we don't have the two qualifying finals first. That's what I would like to see so that the teams in the top four have more time to come back and rest if they lose that week and play the next week. Well, that's the other advantage is if, let's say, Richmond lose. Yeah, but the West Coast Collingwood game's the last game of the round. And I can imagine it'll also be the last game of the next round. I'm fairly confident of that. Yeah. But the other team that they'll play next week will have more of a rest than Collingwood. But both sides have already had two weeks off to prepare for this. Um, It's not like, you know, they're going off two successive six-day breaks and then this. I don't think that's really an excuse. I don't think that one's as big an issue. It's just another little thing that ticks you off once you're already ticked off about something, which is the Thursday night game for me. Obviously, I'm going to do everything to go to the game anyway. Um... The site's actually crashed, so it's going to be hard to buy tickets. But, I mean, I just don't think a Thursday night game is the best way to go about it as a fan. If you're worried about the fans' access to the the game, then if I were you, the much bigger problem would be the number of tickets that are given towards corporate boxes and things like that than are actually available for public auction. Don't get me wrong. That annoys me, but that seems way harder. That's not as easy to fix because that's just embedded in the AFL culture and structure, whereas this having a Thursday night game is more something that I think the fans can sway the AFL on. And if you've had a look when they've released the schedule, there's been a lot of people going, well, why is this the case? I think there'll be a lot of people saying, well, why is this the case? And there'll be a lot of people still going to the game anyway. Yeah. Um, and I'm perfectly fine with that because I'm a big believer in the, the Big Bash style of why not have it on as much as possible? Like, yeah, you might give yourself an extra day keeps me more excited about footy. But let's move on to your world-famous segment now. This is Lock and Ross's segment, Punching Down. This is Punching Down. The wash-up. At the end of the year, the AFL does a wash-up segment where they review each team's year. Today, they did Brisbane. Damien Barrett, Matthew Lloyd and Cal Toomey all gave them a season ranking of 4 out of 10. 
how? Brisbane came into the year with literally no hope. Many predicted them to be last or if not bottom three. And I argued that they actually showed us an insight into what their future looks like. They played an attacking and most importantly, exciting brand of football. A few young guns made their mark, sometimes literally made their mark, and somehow that's considered a four. This side surpassed all expectations and that's not a pass. After this debacle, the only thing that deserves to be ranked a four is Barrett's bogus sliding doors article. (laughs) Now, Carlton. After Carlton's relatively close loss on the weekend, I say relatively, Brendan Bolton came out and said this year had been a, quote, emotional rollercoaster. A rollercoaster, unless I'm mistaken, is meant to have ups and downs. Given Carlton has won twice all year out of a possible 22 games, that's a pretty shit rollercoaster. <laughs> it's kind of like the rides at Dreamworld. They have a lot of hope at the beginning, but by the end of it, everyone is dead inside. <laughs> That was punching down. <laughs> uh, that's too soon. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, too yeah. soon. And now to our new segment where our reporter, our award-winning reporter, and by award-winning, I mean he was the PM yesterday, but he isn't today, obviously, uh, with all the scoops is uh, Lockie Bridgman. Thank you, Chuck. Now, in big exclusive news for AFL by Dummies this week, on Thursday the Bulldogs had one of their biggest retirement announcements this year. That's right. Shane Biggs is hanging up his boots. (laughs) Having played one of their only two premierships, it's definitely no small feat. In a career statement, Biggs was quoted as saying, If you don't feel it, flee from it. Go where you were celebrated, not merely tolerated. Ah. We are, however, getting word that a new player by the name of Bernie Small will be joining the Dogs next year as the first player ever in the history of the AFL and VFL to have the name Small. A rather big deal, if you ask me. <laughs> we now head west to the Adelaide Crows as some breaking news comes in regarding several of their star players. It appears Atkins, Laird and Sloan had planned to go to Africa together to hunt lions. Always revealed when Laird caught cold feet in what could only be described as the rawiest attempted murder in history. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Hall has punched himself back into the DMs of the spotlight this week with the help of 60 Minutes, claiming to be a victim following his offensive comments on live radio. Revealing himself as a country boy, only just scraping his way through year 10, Hall has taken on the new role of Perfectly Frank, saying it was vulgar and it was degrading to women. Certainly doesn't take a genius to work that one out. Back home now and on Tuesday, Ticketek servers crashed as 100,000 true Australians simultaneously tried booking tickets to see Abbott and Dutton take on Turnbull in the ring. (laughs) Turnbull's Hawkeyes will be no match for the two Tigers who have been ready to pounce for months. <laughs> hey boys, what are your chances on another animal to win the contest? <laughs> I would pay money to go see that fight, by the way. Yeah, I would quite I quite happily group Scott Morrison in with the Hawks, given that his son Harry plays for them. Ah. It's not actually his son. I have no idea. I, I, I'm know, I know. I figured you were making a Morrison reference. Um, but thank you for the news there, Lachlan Bridgman. I don't know about you, Chuck. I'm feeling a bit of... Boysenberry smash. What do you think? <laughs> you don't. You don't think it was boysenberry smash? No, I I disagree with you this week. What are you thinking? It was more. Oh, that was definitely like a um, coffee flavor. It had a good purpose, but it was a little bitter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and with no tips this week, because finals, we'll be back next week with our tips for finals. That's where we're wrapping up for this week. If you were to make a prediction, what happens in between now and our show next week, what happens? Because we know that both of us are so good at this. So I'm going to try and write a headline for you during the week. Um, I reckon one thing you can absolutely bet on is Jeff Kennett complains about something. He's um, already done that, though. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that one's, that one's almost a certainty. Oh, he's going to complain about the All-Australian side. He'll complain about everything, to be honest. Yeah. If Jeff Kennett was simultaneously re-elected as Hawthorne president and Premier of Victoria at the same time, that'd be pretty impressive. Yes. But I think the big one that we're going to be hearing is, I think Shannon Hearn will be named captain of the All-Australian side this week. And with that, we'll be out for today. Um, you can find us on all the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, where I think this week we'll be having a go at Carlton, Brennan Bolton, maybe even some Rory's. <laughs> um, good stuff. Um, iTunes. So you can find us in all of those places. Give us a like, maybe rate us five stars. From myself, Chuck. My name's Alex Henry. Have a nice day, everyone. <laughs>